What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Progressive Gentleman Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Dan. I'm Matt. And as always, thanks for taking the time to nerd out about music with us. Uh, we got a first for the podcast today, um, kind of diving into uncharted waters here for us. Uh, we're going to try to get into the band interview space. And uh, what better band to start out with than uh, Nafel? What's up, boys? Hello. What's up? It's uh, great to have you guys here. We really appreciate it. Um, and we appreciate sort of sticking with us as we work through the bugs here. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we kind of expected this to be an interesting uh, experience and uh, you know, it's living up to its expectations. So, uh, you know, thanks a lot. We appreciate you guys sticking with us through this. <laughs> only an hour. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it only took an hour. Absolutely. Um, I guess let's just dive right into this. Uh, so how'd you guys meet actually? Cause I'm, I'm intrigued by that. Uh, I will get that ball rolling. It, <clears throat> it started with me and Tyler. Well, it actually started with me and one of my friends like a long, long, long time ago. I was in this like kind of shitty Pantera, like kind of as like band that I will not ever mention the name of or anything like that. But basically that kind of got me rolling out of high school into music. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. I need something more challenging because I basically learned how to play blast beats. And was like, these guys can't rip to my blast beats because they're like 40 something. So I can't do that. So I started my own thing with one of my buddies. I randomly, like some kid from high school, for some random reason on the school bus one day, was like, Jake, you play drums. Like, here's the number of some guy that I know that plays guitar. Like, you guys should jam sometime. And I was like, okay. And it was Bird. Bird went to a completely different school. And so that was like five years had gone by and I had this random number saved in my phone. And then I went to go start a band. I was like looking online for people. I was like, I really don't know. I messaged all kinds of people. Nobody really was into the kind of music I was into. And then just one day I texted him. I was like, hey, this is going to sound really random, but some dude gave me your number five years ago (laughs) and told me to message you. So this is me messaging you saying, hey, we should meet up someday and play music sometime. He was like, sure. So like I went over to his house with my Honda. I had a really shitty Honda at the time. And I was basically like showed up and was like, well, pack your stuff in here. We're going to go back to my house and jam. And like, (laughs) it's funny. It was snowing like crazy. And that was actually the first time that was the first time I was ever introduced to Periphery was on the way to Jake's place. And we were listening to P2 and I, I, for, I forget what song it was, but like it came on and I was like, immediately I was like, what band is this? I was brainwashing like right and, off the uh, bat. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is the kind of music we're yeah. doing now. I was being reprogrammed from the start. Um, what was your, what was your, uh, like, so you just discovered Periphery. What were you listening to before that at that point? Um, it was, it was kind of a wide variety of things. I mean, I was always in the middle. Um, definitely into you know like like grew up like my parents playing rock and roll and stuff like that like 80s stuff um, just a bunch of different things uh, I was definitely in the prog scene like I was I was in Animals as Leaders already um, and just, just like different bands like that and I just kind of slowly branched out a little bit and when I met Jake it's like that's when things really started to open up and I really got into prog just like modern day prog you know other than just like you know listening to old prog like Yes and, and different bands like that so um but yeah yeah jake kind of opened my world with some stuff and and him and i started jamming and it just kind of clicked so and then we we started looking for a second guitarist because it was like just kind of like me and him like a drummer and a guitarist and like it was just kind of both of us like we were vibing because like i was like oh do you know this song let's kind of just play some songs we know like we started playing like that and then we found leo the the 
the bald dude with the gauges that everybody knows whenever they talk about in the phone. Like, oh, where's the where's the bald dude? I was like, watch Leo. And Leo was like, Leo and Bird met, and they immediately started vibing, like getting together. Like Leo did all kinds of crazy tapping stuff, like shredding stuff. Bird did a lot of the, like crazy solos. So like those two started writing together. And then immediately we started writing like the Echoes DP. Like as soon as we met one another, we were like, all right, well now we know each other. Like let's start. Leo had like some guitar profiles, some stuff written. He was like, guys, this is what we're doing. So we started learning some stuff. We started writing some stuff. And then Leo like wanted to bring in a vocalist. So he brought in our friend Curtis, Curtis Wright, who was friends with Jacob Toy. And Jacob like wasn't even planning on like being like in the band or something. He just like came around and was like, oh, I just like so happened to play bass. And I was like, okay, well, like the vocalist thing obviously didn't work out, but Jake started coming to practices more because we were like, well, we need a bass player. We don't necessarily need a vocalist. And I, at this point, I had like, when I started this band, I'd never even like listened to like really instrumental. Like I'd listened to like intervals, but I'd never listened to Animals as Leaders. I'd never listened to like instrumental stuff. And Leo started pushing like Animals as Leaders and all this crazy stuff onto me. And it all kind of just started spreading. And then I started like, was just like, you know, we really don't, need a vocalist like we can roll because trying to find a vocalist in a local scene that isn't like bad <laughs> trying to find somebody who can like sing and scream like you bring people in and we tried out so many different people to come in and it just didn't fit our style or it was always something and like once we found like the core like me bird leo and jake like we banged out that echo zp in like a couple months we wrote everything down, went and recorded at our buddy's house, released it. We were playing shows. And then uh, Bird actually was planning on, he was going to college. So he was going to, I think, Penn State Barron at the time, which was like up in Erie. So he was like coming back on weekends to do that. And Jake had just started playing bass for Signs of the Swarm at that time. because That was when Signs of the Swarm started like doing some music stuff. So we were sharing Jake. Bird was coming out on weekends. Things were kind of like, dwindling and like uh, we were still playing the same ep but like we were like kind of struggling writing some new music we had a song on the way but burr and jake we played we opened for the contortionists and monument entheos at the altar bar and that was like our last <coughs> show with like a full lineup after that it was basically me it was basically just me and leo and then me and leo found uh jesse Jesse and Lebo, which was like the Luca Thea era, which is why that song sounds like as heavy and as different as it was, because it was bringing in two different minds into writing the music. And then the Jesse, the Jesse and Lebo era, like we we had rewritten the Echoes EP. We were gonna re-release that, like heavier stuff, like with Luca Thea. We had a few more songs on the horizon, and the the vocalist thing kind of started to become an issue amongst everybody. And like they, they were, they were, those two guys were trying to bring a vocalist into the band. Yeah. And kind of like, okay, maybe dumb down the music a little bit, like change make it a little easier, change the direction. Yeah. The like bring easier. the, bring the like focal point from the leads to like a vocalist and exactly. vocalist yeah. and sort yeah. of like bring it more to like rhythm with like the solo here and there, but kind of take yeah. away from the instrumentation. I got you. Exactly, which at that point, I wouldn't necessarily say dumbed down. I would say just kind of like a different vision for the band because, like, they came in and they had, like, a an idea because they started vibing together. And I had kind of been <clears throat> brainwashed at this point where I was like, I'm a drummer, but I'm so into guitar that, like, I just love and I think that we really can do. 
I know it's going to be tough. I know it's going to be hard, but I think we can pull off the instrumental thing. Like I really want to do this because I have a vision for this band. And the vision for this band basically came from the band falling apart because we were at a point where it was like we were feuding so much over like trying to find a vocalist and like we were bringing in people. We were like considering settling on some people. And I was like, no, 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 no. So we were all planning, basically planning on going separate ways. Lebo had a bunch of instrumental music and was like, I also think that we could do this instrumentally. So Leo and Jesse both kind of like, we kind of like all agreed, like this isn't really working out for us to be the best interest. So we all just like go separate ways. So me and Lebo had an idea. Basically it was just me and him. And our last show that we played as a full band together, Dan's band was opening for us. I was, uh, I was in a band in high school called A Friendly Gesture. I don't know if you guys ever heard of them when, when we were still around. Um, I haven't, but I want to check it out. <laughs> band base back, back in the day. Um, and one album came out called Slug Stampede. Full of bangers. Terrible audio production, but they're bangers. Um, it, was like, it was like alternative prog rock. Like Chili Peppers plus Tool, somewhere between those. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we had something kind of kind of original there. Anyway, that was um, our, it, it was supposed to be our, our last show as a friendly gesture, but we did end up playing another show somewhere else down the line. But um, that was the show we played at the Hard Rock opening for Thank You Scientist. And Nafel was also playing that night. And I had heard of Nafel before that. I was like, these guys are big. Like I see their their name on like all the instrumental bands coming through here, like all the big prog shows. Like these guys are going to be sick. I'm so excited. And and uh, then I met them and it was like these guys are really cool. And we were you know shooting the shit and talking about prog and stuff. Because um, <clears throat> to me I was like, oh yeah, I'm just like, like I'm in like an alternative band, kind of like rock, and, and these guys are like prog metal, so it's like real cool stuff. So I was like, I don't know, kind of kind of like gassing them up at the time. And then uh, I was super floored by their their performance was 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 amazing, um, and they Jake must have really liked what I was doing, and uh, <laughs> that, that's yeah, that's kind of where where we met. Because me and Lebo, we basically <clears throat> we were planning on moving on. It was just crazy timing because his yeah. band was playing their last show. I was getting ready to kind of like finish up my AFG days. And we were playing basically our last show. And when we're playing shows, I'm basically in like a mindset where I'm constantly running around. Like Matt saw that when he was at the uh, when he was at the latest show. Like I was like sitting there bullshitting with him for so long, <laughs> and I was kind of just like, I need to be like warming up right now. But like I'm vibing so hard with like talking to this dude right now. Like he's picking my brain on all the things. You don't meet a lot of people around the city that like come up to you and actually are interested about music. So when you came up to me and told me who you were. And you had all these questions lined up. I was like, man, this dude is like, this dude's into this shit. Like, he's into it as much as I am. So it was mm -hmm. like, when I'm at shows, I'm not in the mindset to like necessarily network up until when we're playing. But Lebo and Dan were like hitting off really well. Yeah. And yeah. Dan told Lebo that like he had like a solo prog EP of his own that he had written. And like after the show was over, I was basically like, Lebo, like, what are we going to do now? Like, it's just me and you. Like, on paper, this idea sounded really good, but like, I'm only a drummer. I can only write like, I can only like help re reorganize some of the things you have and like just add drums to it. And then he was like, well, Dan, that guitarist, that band that opened for us, like he had a solo prog EP and I went and listened to his EP and I immediately texted him and was like, basically like, please come save this band. 
because <laughs> like what I heard on your solo stuff is exactly where I'm looking to take this. And the fact that he only lives like a half hour from me yeah. was like a miracle that I had met somebody that I've been looking for so long for somebody around the city that was like also into writing instrumental shit. So like he joined and then as soon as him and Lebo met up, like we wrote the we wrote the Solidarity EP like it, it was it was quick. It was it was quick and it was natural because we kind of like had a similar vision of where we wanted to take the music. Like we were both into a lot of the same bands, like Sithue and Intervals and Polyphia, um, bands like that that kind of had, and, and especially like at the time, like Polyphia, they had that more almost Intervals type sound where it was like very um, leady, almost major key type vocal lines in their in their playing. Um, and that's kind of what we wanted to do with, with the first EP. Um, and, and so we were, you know, being on the same page, it just, it just flowed and worked out and everything came together um, very naturally. And honestly, listening to your guys' discography sort of from origin to present day, <clears throat> I, I even said to Matt earlier, it was almost like the trajectory that you guys took is very similar to a Polyphia in a way. Like it started off like heavier, chunkier riffs and then sort of evolved into this more like cleaner clearer tone type stuff where it's and, and the leads are very much a focal point you can tell i mean filling in for vocals that's what intervals is i mean he made that sort of i love aaron marshall's guitar tone that's like yeah we, yeah, we all I like <laughs> <laughs> so um top five, top five players. Yeah. oh yeah so sort of just listening through your discography like the trajectory the progression so to speak um, honestly, it was very similar to sort of like the trajectory that Polyphia went on. So that was something that I kind of picked up on listening to everything that you guys have out. So yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah, similar. Uh, yeah, I kind of feel so like probably, the uh, Leucothea or however you pronounce that. Uh, it was kind of like almost like intervals, like in time era. And then like, you know, like Bounce House is kind of like the 5 HTP, like more like bubbly, like fun kind of but also still like chuggy at times too so it's kind of oh, yeah. got like a cool mix a between heavy, that heavy breakdown yeah now that's like ironically our our poppiest song poppy i use that term lightly and our <laughs> heaviest at the same time so i, I kind of like it for that reason it's like yeah. a perfect blend of both and like yeah <laughs> i absolutely love that song i was listening to it like all morning thanks man that was awesome yeah Thank you. Trust me, if so you guys like, thought that the clean stuff was the direction we're going, we are going to really mess you guys up with this new album because this new album is <laughs> a whole lot of stuff that we have not done before. So, uh, hey, I'm here. Fine. Mess me up. <laughs> yeah, we're not. We're, we're open to it. We got some ideas cooking for you guys. We like we like the smoke and mirrors stuff. You know, make us make you make us think we were going one way, and then all of a sudden you're over here. I'm fine with that. Yeah, the old up the entire album. <laughs> exactly. I love it. But to continue with the uh like the origin story, so like me, Dan, Lebo, we have been writing, we got Solidarity EP came out. We were recording and doing all this with our friend Jimmy, like my my one of my good friends, Jimmy Glass. He was like helping like do all the self-production stuff like that. Bird was living in Florida because he had transferred from going to uh he was going to college, he was going to Penn State Barron up in Erie and transferred down to Full Sail, Florida. So he was like a lot more a lot farther away, a little less accessible for writing music. But when he had heard that Dan, when he had heard, well, since both their names are Dan, when he heard that Sir Dip Dan and Lebo were, had a really good EP coming together, I was kind of like talking to them. I was like, hey, like we should bring like 
Bird on this too. Like I introduced these guys to Bird because Bird was had he's kind of always been, even though he was in college and was far away. Like he's always still been like an honorary member of the band. It was like always there. Like he was never really gone. Yeah, he he wrote um, he wrote a few things on Solidarity, like uh, the the two intro leads I call them in uh, in Reveries, like the real clean thing at the beginning, and uh, that the real big like epic Pliny esque type lead. Um, if you guys are familiar with that, like he, he wrote both of those, and honestly, like those are some of the best parts on the album. Yeah, kudos. Those are uh, those are solid. Fantastic. Yeah, big big uh, plenty fans over here as well. So yeah, uh, he's got no one. <laughs> yeah, sure yeah, you're hitting yeah. all the keywords for us. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, you're, uh, speaking of instrumental bands and then origins as well, the name Nafel. Did you pull that off Joy of Motion, or is that something that uh, you came up with? <laughs> that was okay. So, so to give you an idea, this this is actually an interesting story in itself because I had an idea of naming the band. Dreaming of Giants. Oh, uh, that was the original name yeah, that I had had for Nafel. Like for some reason, it just came to me. And what was weird was every single time that me, this was way back in the day, when me, Bird, and Leo would get together every weekend to write the music for Echoes, it would storm. It'd be perfectly fine five days a week. But when we would get together on Saturdays and Sundays, it would storm so hard and the power would always go out of my parents' house because we lived in the middle of nowhere. So I was like, you know what? Like we should like we should write our music to be similar to like the weather. Like we should have it to like be beautiful at sometimes. We should have it also to come in and be like really heavy at sometimes. And also because like that's how weather. Like you look up in the sky, the, the sky is pretty. It's beautiful. It brings us like incredible weather, and then it can turn in an instant and become this devastating force. So I was like, we should translate this metaphor to our music. So I had like these pictures of clouds to our music. And I had just gotten into Animals and Leaders at the time. And I also found out at the same time that there was a local band called Delusions of Grandeur, which had the D-O-G letters. And I was like, I cannot have, we can't be a progressive band with no abbreviation <laughs> D-O-G. So unfortunately, as much as I love this name, Dreaming of Giants, we can't have that. We're going to be in the same genre as these guys. And then like, I became friends with those guys. Like Dan had also known Gabe over the over the course of time i actually like, almost joined delusions grandeur for a short period of time i, I um he sent me a couple of songs to learn on bass because they were looking for a bass player and i just didn't end up having enough time because i was dealing with college shit at the time but they are fun songs i'll, I'll give him that <laughs> and brent started doing merch for us like he worked for like a print press so like he was doing merch so i was like always talking to him i was going to delusion shows all the time around pittsburgh like networking i'm like well i'm gonna be starting a band like this i need to start getting to know these bands and so i kind of was like guys we need like a different name for the band and i was like well there's other bands in the past that have named their that have, like they're heavily influenced by like at, like Godsmack is named after the song Godsmack from Alice in Chains. Like there's a bunch of other bands. You, that you can go on Wikipedia and there's literally a, a whole page dedicated to band names that are taken from song titles. Yeah. Like, and it, it's, it's, it's miles very common. Long. It's miles long. Yeah. Like we've, I've had people like, you know, try to like start shit with us because of that. It's like, Oh, you guys just like ripped off animals as leaders. It's like, I don't think it's a real There are hundreds of bands that have done the same thing. Yeah, like, so like if you want to the word Nafel, so. Yeah, it's like, it's just the word. It's, yeah. And I was going to say, if you want to get into that, I mean, bands, like, inspiration-wise for music, I mean, like, you know, not just names, but I mean, a lot of times, 
I mean, every band has inspiration somewhere. So it's like, are you going to say that you ripped off someone's style just because you were listening to that leading up to writing and like, yeah. you know, have a similar style? I mean, I, yeah, I think that's bullshit. But I think <laughs> uh, I, I, th I think the name's cool. I was just curious if that's where it like kind of originated from. <laughs> yeah, no, and then we we had like a vote, like we had like a bunch of different names and stuff lined out. I didn't want to be like I didn't want to be like the this or like have like a like a plural noun or something like that, like something with like an S on the end of it, like all the other like bands where I was like, I want to have something that feels original and like something that stands out and like something that doesn't sound aggressive. But like when we show up to shows, like people hear this name and they're like, it's kind of like a soft name, but like when we perform, it's like the music speaks for itself and the music would be what stands out to people. And so like it worked out and I never looked up the definition of the fell. But whenever I looked up the hashtag for Nafel, everything was clouds regarding it. I was kind of like, what the fuck is this coincidence? I'm sorry about swearing. I was like, what is this coincidence? Uh, like, why is there Nafel? And then I went and looked up the definition of it. And it was like the something like this Greek cloud goddess, like this cloud nymph. And I was like, what are the chances that I'd already based how our views of the band on weather and clouds on a completely different basis and then chose a name that was inspired by a band that we all like and listen to that felt original? And it just so happened to be the exact depiction of what I'd already had from Bentley. Like, it was just kind of like fate. Like it was like meant to, meant to be. So like that, finding out the definition of it, like kind of cemented the band's name. It was like just a weird coincidence. But I always enjoy telling that story to people because I'm like, you'll never believe. <laughs> <laughs> that is really cool that it's like just happened to be like the definition. Like you didn't know previously, like when you, yeah. when you named it that and it just happy accident kind of. Exactly. And it's cool that it's more than just like, you know, let's look at the list of tracks and pick and pick something, you know, like, oh, Animals as Leaders is an inspiration. So let's pick one of their track names as, you know, there's actually more meaning behind it. So I think that's cool. Plus, if weather is your inspiration, you live in a great state. So yeah, oh, yeah. But, you know, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but, you know, I want to give you an opportunity to expand on it a little bit. Um, inspirations in general, musically, I mean, you know, Animals as Leaders, you've mentioned, you've mentioned Pliny, you've mentioned Intervals. Is there anything else, you know, that you guys, especially maybe even in the Protest the Hero? Okay. Protest the Hero, oh, yeah. 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 They've been a number one band for me for since, like, high school. Um, even through all the lineup changes and stuff, like, I would still consider them probably my favorite band. My 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 tastes awesome. my tastes have changed around that, but like they're consistent, man. They're they're just consistent. They put out great music, and I think um, they're they're kind of like an underrated masterclass in songwriting. Like they they the way that they compose things, and um, especially like their their um, they have this approach to like ending choruses that I've kind of tried to integrate into our music, like having. You know, like a, a big, big, long, drawn-out song. There's a lot of changes and stuff, but the ending is always like this big, epic chorus, and and that's something I try to like integrate into our music. So they're definitely uh, one of the, the biggest influences there, um, despite having a vocalist. And, and actually, to, to that point, uh, "Time Under Tension," um, when when it, when it was like first being being written, that idea, like the, the initial riff. Um, I don't know why, but like I, I was thinking Protest the Hero. Yeah. And yeah. when I heard it, I was like, and Protest was, the Hero. It was yeah. very Protest the Hero like. And I was like, hmm. I was like, man, I was like, this can this can be something cool because it's it's not really something that we've like, kind of like ever touched on per se. And I was like, dude, 
if we can develop this into something that it sounds kind of like protest, but with our, our sound that's already there is kind of starting to develop, uh, we, can, we can make something pretty cool and different and just kind of just touch in a different area that we kind of haven't before. And, and with that song too, um, because like it was taking a lot of influence from them, um, I hate to say this because Mike did an amazing job and we're like insanely happy with everything that he did. Like it blew our expectations away with his, with his uh, vocal performance. There. But the original plan was to have Brody from protest on that track. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. We were, we were trying to get him because at the time it was like, we were writing the song um, like when the pandemic kind of just started and he was offering like, Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll write a song for you guys or whatever for a couple hundred dollars. You, pay him and he'll write a song or whatever um so we thought like hey you know he'd be willing to you know maybe hop on a track for us but i think we kind of waited too long and it was like maybe a year after the pandemic when we actually had the song ready um and i did we kind of missed the, the window of opportunity but then bird was like hey i know uh, i know a guy that knows mike and he made that happen funny story there actually um kind of kind of segues into that too but uh, but the, the the way that I got in contact with Mike was was very interesting. So I was um, I was on a, a flight home uh, or going home to, to Pittsburgh. Uh, I forget. I, I don't know if it was around Christmas time or what it was. I, I think it was around there. But um, I originally was planning to go to um, to visit my family in California uh, with with my, my mom and dad. We were going to get together and fly out. And um, I had missed my flight uh, to, to go. So I spent the night in the airport. And I just slept on the floor at an airport, and I was, I was like, I was like, you know what? It was, it was less than ideal, but I made myself my laptop case. I found out was a great pillow. <laughs> now you know. Now you know. Now we know. Uh, but dude, I was, I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna take the chance, and I'm gonna send a message to Mike. I, I kind of drafted something up and sent it to the message, uh, the group chat we have, and I was like, guys, what do you think? They said, yep, yeah, run it, dude. Sounds good. So I sent it off to him, um, just saying, hey, you know, I appreciate your work. And, um, you know, here's, here's a demo. I wanted to see if he would uh, be down to, to do something with us vocally. And he was like, immediately, like, I fell asleep that night. And the next morning I woke up, it was like maybe 5.30 or something. And I saw a message from him. And I was like, no way, right? So <laughs> I responded back to him. And it's, I woke up to that. And it's like, from going from sleeping in an airport, feeling this, this tall, to being like Mike message back, now there's progress. It's like it's it's just funny how stuff like that works out. Yeah, that's that'd awesome. be a great way to start off the day. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what was it like? What was it like working with them? I mean, I'm sure that was probably a pretty cool experience. I mean, it was it was uh, great. It was real. Yeah. 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 He's a sweetheart. I mean, I, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't really interact with him. I think Bird did most of the like personal communication with him, like to to get everything <laughs> organized, but. Um, I, I sent a few messages with him back and forth um, after we released the song, just saying like, dude, thank you so much. And, and you've exceeded our expectations, that kind of thing. Um, super nice guy and very friendly. And even like one of his good like home friends reached out to me and the rest of the band was like telling us how much he loved the song. Um, so he, he, he seems like a really good guy. And it sounds like he's got a really good, um, you know, friend group around him, too. And it worked out having Mike on because the initial intention, obviously, because Dan and Bird are definitely bigger protest fans than I am. But I 
in my own way, like I definitely, I've, I've listened to intervals for as long as I have, which I've kind of put off listening to the a voice within. Cause I was like, eh, I don't like, I don't necessarily like the vocals, but I listened to it and I was like blown away. And I was like, how have I put this off as long as I have? And I yeah, felt right. so bad about not listening to this for That's a while. That's the album that got me into it. It's one of my favorite albums. And it was when it, and that was when it initially came out. I think I put it off for like a couple months or something like that. And then when I finally listened to it, I was like, okay. So whenever this came about and they were like, well, I think we missed our opportunity for Rody. Like, let's bring in Mike. I was like blown away. I was like, dude, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> because the initial intention with Rody was, I don't know if we would have gotten Rody on the entire song or with how big he is. It definitely would have been way more expensive and possible without of our reach. And it was like a blessing in disguise getting Mike because I think that Mike. Nothing against Rody, but I think Mike blew it out of the water better yeah. than I think anybody else we could have brought into the track. So yeah, it was it was yeah, like a happy yeah. accent because it was it's like our it's like my favorite track so far. I mean, we're working on a lot of bangers right now, but for having a, a debut song with a vocalist on it, like I was for being a skeptical person with having vocals on it, and the fact that Mike recorded, wrote, did everything like self-produced, like because he does like vocal production on his own, he did all of his own vocal tracking did everything he made working on this song so much easier because I was like he worried I was like man Mike's like such a big name like how's it going to be like I was obviously we were all nervous because it was working with our first feature so like getting him on it and working with him like with how professional and how self-sufficient he is with his materials it, it just made <clears throat> it just made it so much easier and so much of a better experience and getting him in the music video too because the fact that he even offered that to us yeah. Like that with the cost of that and having him on the track and him vocal produce, produce probably was still under probably what Rody would have charged because of like his stature, which is understandable. Like, but still, just having Mike was just yeah. And not not to mention going off of that, like we all we did was send him the demo. Like we, it, people have asked me this before, like, oh, did you like write the vocals for him in advance, or did you write the lyrics or anything, or even the melodies? Um, no none of that like we just we sent him the demo and we're like we trust you do your thing yeah. and he came back with like harmonies and, and this and, and all this like tons of tracks and it was incredible now was the was the name of the track like decided upon or was that based off of like the lyrics that he wrote for the song like did you send it here's just a, a instrumental demo mm -hmm. like did you give him any any notes on anything or was it literally just, just do whatever you want did we give him a direction? I mean, I think, it was some part, I think like during the solo, I think we told him like, you know, don't. Well, like lyrically though. Like, lyrically, I don't, fitting it into I don't think we gave him any lyrical direction. We basically, he asked you, like, what things do you want me to sing about? And what things do you not want me to sing about? Yeah, I think we just kind of told him it was going to be called Time Under Tension and he took it. Yeah, we were basically like, well, we want this song to be like inspirational. So like, if you want to write some like, kind of like inspirational lyrics, like there's really not too much on our end depth lyrically because we were basically like you're the lyricist you're the vocalist do what you want just do your thing and it's funny because he sent us back the first like like the first mix the first idea there was maybe only like two or three notes of things that we wanted to add but we listened to it and the whole last 30 seconds of the song that you guys hear on the final version of it wasn't even originally in the song like we oh, yeah, he right. sent us yeah. he sent us his first mix and how big, because we have the song just fading out, like right when the yeah, it was sort of like the big outro chorus happened. Repeat. Yeah. Yeah, it was only supposed to repeat like maybe twice and fade out. And he was doing such a good job. Like it was originally supposed to end that on that, like, on the like right when he hits that long, it was like basically like fades out from there. 
and we I looked at Dan and I was like, guys, no, we gotta double down. This is so <laughs> epic that like I'm feeling I'm feeling extremely blue balled by this ending right here. And I really so like they were like, all right, let's let's loop this because we were like on the spot because he was waiting for our mix notes. I was like, let's kind of just like loop this. And then they thought they came up with the idea of like the acoustic at the end of it and they said they cooked up like Dan Bird and Ben, I think, cooked up a, an idea for how long the ending should be. They sent it to Mike. Mike slapped the like the last bit on it, ended like the clean little send off at the end with the with the acoustic guitar, and it just it was it was like a, literally a last second decision, but it like made the song the song wouldn't have been the song it is that you guys are hearing without that little bit. Just hearing it off the bat, I was immediately like. We need more of this. We need. To, I was like, we'll pay whatever we got to, Mike. I know it's a pain in the ass to, to ask you to write a little bit more, but I think this song could really be a little bit more epic if you ask for it. He just he killed it. He, I didn't think he could, but it just blew 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 our minds, man. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool, and I think like so he did all the vocals, right? Did you or did any of you guys do like any backup stuff? No, no, no. all his yeah. life. Yeah, yeah, and I think like from when he did the like with intervals i think like you can see like a lot of progression in his vocals too on your guys track like i mean he does like some really good like kind of like deeper growls that are really like well layered into the tracks and uh and then like i didn't know that he screamed before before he sent back the stems and like i heard these for the first time and he's like he just comes in with this crazy scream i'm like whoa yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, listening to the raw multi tracks, I can't like I, I I just just for for craps and giggles, I put it into um, uh, Pro Tools. <clears throat> I just had the song how we had it laid out with a demo, and I just put his vocal tracks in there, like watermarked and everything. And I cannot tell you like I had to stop. I sold his vocals, turned up turned up my monitors, and the power that he had in voice in the raw tracks was unbelievable dude like it gave me chi- like chills i was like this is insane how how much power has come down this dude's vocals it's like it was it was great man like it, yeah. it was yeah. yeah yeah it was surreal so is this is this enough to cause another uh band controversy controversy about a vocalist we're definitely <laughs> this mic joining then I don't we're know. definitely <laughs> all on the same page with the direction but it's like we're at a point now almost to where i hate to bring up their name, but almost where Polyphia is to where we're in a space to where we feel like we can collaborate with anybody on music. So if we're writing a song and we're like, you know what would sound cool? Like maybe having somebody on this track would sound cool. And like, we're kind of in a spot now with having features and, and bringing in other features instead of trying to dedicate to just some one person in the city and like base your whole entire sound around that. It's kind of, we're kind of at an advantage being an instrumental band with no vocalists. Like you can essentially write whatever song you want to sound, however you want and collaborate with any one vocalist for whichever songs to like, we definitely have some ideas for some more vocally songs in the future, but yeah, we, we've had I was going to say, is, that, is that a plan? Was what I was, no, I was just going to say, is yeah. that a plan moving forward? Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I was getting at is like, we've, we've had a few vocalists kind of reach out and, I don't know if I should name names, but yeah, we'll just keep it. Keep, we'll keep, we'll keep it on the DL, but um, <laughs> you, re- for now, for you now. reached out to them or vice versa? Um, vice versa, actually. Oh, wow. But I'm thinking of. Um, yeah. But that's cool. Yeah, it's 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 something we want to like keep on the table. Like we're still an instrumental band, 
you know, when all was said and done, but like we have room for features now and we are kind of uh, more, more, more open and, and we kind of want to just keep expanding that like, hey, work with this guy, work with this guy, whether they're a vocalist or a you know, lead guitarist or something. But um, this this album that we keep kind of hinting at is uh, going to be a testament to that. Like, we got quite a few features lined up. And the difference between the previous lineups and this lineup is that we are confident that Nafel is us, like the people you see in this room. And Ben. And Ben. Our, our bassist yeah. isn't here, by the way. <laughs> ben lives an extremely far distance yeah. from <laughs> us, and it is extremely a pain in the butt to drive from there to here. Plus, he's doing, he's doing like a ton of work with his studio stuff and working with a lot of people. So he's working right now. Ben is with us in spirit right now, but he's still a member of the band. He is like, today he is our Nolly. Yeah. Today yeah. he is our Nolly. He is there <laughs> playing the bass, the backtrack, and producing. But he's not physically here. Yeah. <laughs> Except for live shows. Live shows. Live shows. Yeah. He's there at all of them. But yeah. So it's just, we're confident with the material that we write. We actually have, before it was, a, it was necessarily like a struggle of like trying to find a direction. And now like with what we have here, we have the direction and we have so much material. And it's kind of just like bringing that to fruition getting the funds to to bring in these people because we have ideas for like collaborations with other people and also matching their schedules like working with people like in engineers and stuff like higher end engineers because this new album that we're working on we're working with adam bentley of arch echo which has been like a big step in that direction for us because working with somebody who also self-produces dan records and produces like a lot of our music so dan and, and adam like kind of collaborating their brains to create this new like the fell like sound wise it's like we're taking another step into another level like if you guys thought solidarity and time under tension or something yeah, just wait yeah, for the next time under the next single that's coming out is it's, it's gonna blow your mind it's gonna hit a little we, harder than anything we've ever done before. We've, we've had a few people like you know within our, our friend circle that we showed it to and they've said like this is the best you guys have sounded not to hype ourselves not to not to put that's that's what we want you guys to do i mean it's it's i feel like the music benefits from whenever you guys you know or as as a band writing the music like if you're not hyped up on your own shit then what's the point you know what yeah, I mean? exactly, so, exactly. 100%. <laughs> and just to touch back on the time under tension single with the vocalist you know we talked earlier a little bit about how you know the vocalist thing maybe makes you dumb down the music or whatever i didn't feel that way at all about that track so i just wanted to throw that out there i think you know kind of keeping it as like a feature type thing a one-off like, every once um, in a while yeah that, no, that's the thing too is like we we're not maybe in like the old example like the the intention was to write for a vocalist and and being an instrumental band now like we don't we don't have that same like approach. Like we still write with the intention of being an instrumental band. So like we didn't carve out space for vocals other than maybe like the ending because the original plan, I guess, like Jay kind of said, it was that um, for Brody to come in during the, the clean part and finish off the song. 
Um, and then we, then when Mike got it, he was like, I'm going to do the whole damn track. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he, he killed it because like, even, even during like the verse and stuff where like, where I'm, I'm, you know, doing some pretty shreddy tappy stuff and there's changing time signatures, all this stuff. He still balances it really perfectly. Yeah. And yeah. We didn't I was going to say the, the leads, but yeah. Yeah. The, the lead guitar sort of, uh, with the lead vocal, they sort of complement one each other one another rather than like fighting with each other exactly. which sometimes yeah. you would think that that would happen whenever you're taking an instrumental band that writes leads to essentially replace vocals um but i felt like they sort of meshed really well so yeah, compliments was... to both you guys and to to mike for sort of making that work yeah thank you man like that that, that was actually something i was kind of concerned about when we sent out the song because yeah. like it was written as like like the, the guitar lines you heard there were the chorus that was the chorus before mike came on and like made his own chorus and it sounded twice as good because of the, you know like like you said they 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 blended nicely like he didn't step on it he he complimented it he brought it up for sure yeah i think he, he like tried to harmonize a lot with your guys music which already had yeah. its own built-in chorus which i think just like lent to it and added that like extra you know icing on top yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like he brought we, it to the next level. He brought it up to another another level that, like, well, I didn't think it would would get to, to be honest. Yeah. Very cool. Switching gears a little bit. So you guys have gotten to open for some cool bands. Uh, you mentioned the Contortionist already. I know you've opened for Polyphia. Um, what's your favorite? Uh, like the favorite, your favorite show period. Whether that's just because you know, even if it's a local show, what's your favorite experience playing live? Uh, the lit AF. No, I'm just <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, I mean, that was the easiest that I ever played. Really five minutes, but <laughs> my favorite, my favorite show. I mean, mine personally. Since I mean, I I'm the only member here that's played every single show from the first show to up to now. It it probably had to have been the Contortionist show in 2016. That had to have been one of my favorites, despite the fact that even that night after we had played, it was downpouring and the roadies all were like grabbing my drum set. So at the altar bar, they were tossing it to the alleyway. So my drum set got completely rained on and soaked that night, oh, which geez. was like that, the fact that happened, it didn't even phase me because of how much of a great night it was. It was getting to hang out with those guys because that was great when language had just came out. And I was just like, mind blown like being able to hang out with those guys like setting up my drum set like watching the contortionist like sound check and playing their song and then uh Navine came down from entheos he's like looking at my drum set like like walk around and he's like oh man this is a nice kit and i've gotten that a few times from like playing with bigger bands because they're used to seeing the local band and they just see these like kids almost i put <laughs> i put a lot of money and time into my drum set to be like something because i know this genre i know it's like a gear people that are fans of music like kind of google over the gear i know it's like the joke of like the our shows are a bunch of nerds staring at guitar pedals and stuff like that but <laughs> i have like a standard of my own to where i want the drums to sound good and i want the gear to be able to perform well and being at that show and being able to see like the dude who helped write capo come down and look at my drum set and be like this is a killer set that was just like so many things were just piling up to make that show a great night. That show and the Guitar Collective show that we played at uh, 
right? At, no, that was at the Fun House of Mr. Smalls where right. we played with Angel Vivaldi, Andy James, oh, cool. and Scale the Summit. Like being able to sit back in the uh, to sit back in the green room and talk to talk to Chris Letchford and sit there and talk to Angel Vivaldi. Like how nice they were that night. It was just unreal. And then to see Charlie. Charlie Engine, who was drumming for Scale of Summit that night, who's me and him's drum sets, because he has a really wide Tama drum set. Me and him both had Tama drum sets, and they're both set up next to each other. And then, like, not even a year later, he joins Five Finger Death Punch. And I'm just like, I was drumming next to the guy who plays drums for Five Finger Death Punch, like, not even a year ago. Now he's killing it playing for Five Finger and Scale of Summit at the same, same time. So, like, being able to hang out, like, how nice Charlie was that night, how nice Angel was that night, like, how informative and cool. Chris was, and I would say with the current lineup, one of our favorite shows we played was with uh, Sarah Longfield last year. Oh, that's Sarah, cool. That's, that's really cool. cool. Oh, I remember. I remember that tour coming through. I did not get to go to it, but I, I wanted to. She's that fantastic. Was, they were awesome live. Awesome. Were, I re, were, they were awesome. super to hang out with too. But like, they would be put on a really great show. Like, I was actually really impressed by their bassist because she was like playing all the, all the same kind of tapping stuff that Sarah does, like on bass. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah, Sarah was Sarah was super informative about like the industry because she's talking to us from a perspective of like, hey, I'm also like in the instrumental community. Like she's worked with a lot of people in our same genres. So like she was super informative. Her husband, Derek, was like super, super cool. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever checked out, he has a he has a band called Ladder Math. And he oh, played no. guitar for Sarah. If you guys haven't checked out Laddermath, write that down now. Killian Killian Duarte is the bass player in that band. So yeah. You know if you guys haven't checked them out, definitely go check them out because Derek was awesome. Sarah was awesome. Like just getting to meet those guys. I've been friends with them on the internet and shit posting and sharing memes with them for years. <laughs> so being able to like meet them in person, hang out, like just seeing them play, getting to open for them, and then just hearing them like give us positive feedback. Cause like Sarah took a video of us playing that night, posted it on her Instagram, and I was like blown away because she has like all these fans and all these people that she's performed to over the years. So like getting that reach and like getting to see like somebody you've looked up to over the years post and share your stuff and like say like you guys were awesome with like a huge pat on the back to us because we were getting ready to start filming the the music video for time under tension that following weekend so we played that show with sarah and then we started filming that which was a whole experience for me because i shot and filmed like 99 percent of the time under tension music video along with my, our friend steve who shot all the drum shots of me because obviously if i'm filming i can't film me playing drums yeah. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be impressive if you pulled that off yeah so they're playing and like <laughs> yeah. a third arm reaching out like record myself with one hand or some shit but no that, that whole that whole time was just a, a great time. So I would say that's from my perspective, these guys might have a different view, but like it was dope. Yeah. Was dope fun. shows. I wasn't there for a lot of those shows because you know, from from our history segment at the beginning, I didn't join up until uh, what was that, twenty eighteen? Eighteen, I think twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. So uh, yeah, I wasn't there for like the contortionist shows or any of the Polyphia shows or even the guitar collectives. But that Sarah Longfield show was awesome. Um, and the Fallujah, we played with Fallujah a couple months ago. And that was, that was amazing too. Cause like they, they're just like, they were fresh with the new lineup. They got Kyle on vocals. And I was actually been, uh, you know, you know, like I've, I've talked to Kyle a bunch of times on online before. Um, Cause I knew him from his old project, Archaeologists, if you guys are familiar. 
Um, and he's a super cool guy. Like he was always really nice to me before that. And, you know, he, he's, they're all very down to earth people. Like, you know, this, this new Fallujah glory hasn't gotten to his head or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> and they were, they were super cool. Like, you know, shooting the shit with us. And, and even um, Scott, their lead guitarist came up to us afterwards and we're like, you guys were like low key, the best people we've toured where we've, we've played with on this tour so far. And, and hearing that from like one of, one of my guitar heroes was pretty surreal. So yeah. Yeah, that's that's very awesome. That really awesome praise. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I didn't I didn't join until <laughs> like early 2019, or else my favorite might have been the Guitar Collective. Yeah, that's yeah. like those are like all my guitar heroes. Yeah, <laughs> but like so bummed I missed that one. Yeah, I, I was actually in the crowd during that, so that seeing them live was like insane. So you still experienced it? But I experienced it, but I didn't get to like experience of playing, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but didn't get to that, rub elbows necessarily with with the with the guitarists or whatever with yeah. Angel and with uh, who else was there? Uh, it was Andy uh, James, Scale the Summit, Scale the Summit, and Angel Valdi. So actually, within a year of that show, both Andy James and Charlie Engine joined Five Finger Death Punch. So we played with two members of Five Finger Death Punch that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, and I also wanted to touch on, like, the, the origin thing. When me, Dan, and Dan had the band, and this is another, another crazy coincidence, CR was dating Lebo's sister over the course of, like, shows that were coming up. So when we had written Solidarity, we got to a point where we were like, we kind of need another guitarist to, uh, to, like, play this stuff. So we were originally going to have it backtracked, and then Lebo ended up, his life ended up getting super chaotic and like a lot of things were happening and just like a lot of like mental stress because he's going through school and a lot of things happened so he dropped out and it was just me and dan at a certain point and then i was like yo this, like this was when when he dropped out this was actually like in right in the middle of recording like i finished all recording all the parts that i wrote and it was like all right lilo your turn and he was like all right i'm gonna head out yeah, he was he was handling like it, it was just it was just really bad timing yeah. again because like we've continued to face adversities with band members and stuff. Not to shift back into the thing, but I wanted to completely cover the whole basis of the yeah. thing. If you want to edit. We're, we're still like real cool with him. Like he, yeah. he he's even yeah, like awesome. <laughs> contributed a couple risks to the stuff that we're writing now. Yeah, like he was awesome. he was just facing a lot at that time, and so it just made sense for him to step out. We were going to find somebody else to try to record these parts, and Dan was kind of just like. I'll take it in my own hands. So Dan essentially yeah. recorded all of Solidarity on just both guitars and bass. Like he did yeah, just about <laughs> every single thing for Solidarity. And I just did the drums and I helped contribute some backtrack because he was doing so much. I was like, well, you do that. The drums are already written. So I'm just going to kind of start throwing a bunch of synths and string sections at it. And like, man, once he was done with guitars, then we collaborated on like the final backtracks and everything. And then whenever Lebo had stepped out, it was just me and Dan. And I had messaged CR because we kind of seen the Lebo thing coming because he was handling a lot of, like I said, a lot of things at the same time. And I messaged CR and was like, CR, like, is there any way you could play for us? And he was like, oh, he's like, I got a lot of things going on right now. Like, if you don't find anybody, message me back, like, around the beginning of 2019, which yep. was, like, only a few months away from 2019. Like, basically, like, January second or third of 2019 came and I was like hey yo CR my man are you still down to play guitar and he came over and was like yeah sure so Dan like lit him up with all the tabs and it was just crazy 
positioning wise, because again, we had really nobody around us, but he was like essentially like a part of the band because he was like friends with Lebo, with dating Lebo's sister. And I was like, well, he's like right there. And he stepped in and filled the spot flawlessly. And then right after that, Dan was working with Ben. Yeah, Ben was like a new hire at my my company. And then all of a sudden, like I just see this new guy and I'm like, this guy looks like he's into like some cool music. Like he just has that vibe to him. He's got, got like the, the long. There is, there is a look. There is a specific yeah, right? look. Like he's got like the size of the head and like, kind of longer on top. I'm like, this guy looks like he's into metal. So, I, you know, I start uh, striking up conversation with him. I'm like, hey, what kind of band do you like? Turns out there's a lot of overlap, um, especially like periphery and stuff like that. Um, and he, came from being a touring bassist like he i don't know if you guys know but he used to tour with um what's her name lacey stern lacey, lacey stern right. the, the singer from fly yeah from fly yeah. yep he used to be like her solo project uh bass player on tour. that's pretty cool he's oh, like that's cool done it professionally he's met with like he, he met like corn and disturbed i think like, like shine down breaking benjamin he's played with like yeah. all these like huge bands on these festivals and tours touring with her and stuff so just just when we wrote Solidarity, it's just crazy how the dominoes and the puzzle pieces fell into place. Because, like, I'd gone from years of trying to find people within Pittsburgh that, like, can play this stuff, like, are available or even willing to drive. And we've, uh, we've essentially found an entire lineup all south of the city of Pittsburgh. And now we're all, like, it's just it's just crazy how everything came together. Uh, aside from Ben. Again, Ben lives in Derry. He lives in the... Uh, God's country, which I also <laughs> is essentially in God's country, south of, of yeah. Pittsburgh. But the opposite. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's essentially the entire origin story of how yeah. I have powered through every bit of adversity with trying to find band members. And now we have a group of people who are all... Yeah, now you have this masterpiece of a lineup. Yeah, it feels like a super group. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> it kind of is. It kind of is. I mean, you pieced it together, right? So it, it's kind of, I mean, it's it's definitely uh, worked out, I think, for you guys. I think especially like sound-wise, it's all cohesive. It sounds great. I feel like you guys are in your prime and uh, poised to start, you know, Let's let's get you guys on a on a freaking tour. Like, let's get around here, you know? Like, have you, did you guys... Uh, yeah, I want them. The only the only band from Pittsburgh that I can remember that was instrumental that I know got at least one tour with Intervals and Pliny actually was Save Us from the Archon. Yep. Um, do you guys have any familiarity with those guys? I saw them. Jake, Jake, I think you know them like more personally, but I saw them we live. Yeah. Oh, nice. okay. That was that was before I joined them, but I guess uh, I don't know. I remember seeing them live. I think they opened for Chon one year on the tour. And nice. I went with with my one of my friends from my older high school band that I mentioned, and we were just like fucking floored, like blown away. Like these guys are just like, <laughs> oh, they're insane. Storm was fucking all yeah. over the place. They were insane. I was I, like, the, what is <laughs> like it was it was musical. Yeah, and that's from Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, yeah and yeah, being like a local band, I was like, these guys are just insane. And bro. seeing it's, them like going on tours with intervals and plenty for being a Pittsburgh band that was instrumental. That was like a really big fuel to the fire of like the bandmates at the time. I was like, guys, like these guys can do it. Like, I understand that we're all not like math rock gods. Like these guys are, but like we can bridge the gap. Like these guys are doing I, it. I've, 
I was going to say, I feel like you guys have sort of filled that void from whenever, for me personally as well. So I actually didn't discover uh, Save Us from the Archon until I saw them in a basement of a bar in Toronto, Canada, um, opening wow. for opening for uh, Intervals and Pliny and Nick Johnson just randomly showed up. and And there were maybe like 50 of us in this basement. So like, after after whomever was playing at the time was done, they would just come out and stand in the crowd with you. So like we got to hang out with Pliny and with uh, Aaron Marshall, and I mean it was Aaron's local show since he's from Toronto. Um, but uh, what was nuts was I didn't know who they were, and they were opening for this tour. So after they were done playing, and when you watch them play live, it was kind of a mind blowing experience, like you said, because they're it we started off this by saying organized chaos that like defines defined them for me. Um, so watching how spastic yet like organized their, their set was, was like, who is this? And then at the end, they're like, we're saying from the Archon from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm like, I drove from Pittsburgh to Toronto to somehow discover a band from Pittsburgh. So like, since that happened, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm real big. And, and it made me really start digging more into like the local scene because admittedly I wasn't super into it and discovered you guys honestly that way. Um, so, and for me, ever since they've gone sort of, you know, they've, they've parted ways, you guys have filled that void for me personally. Um, and, and it's, it's exciting to see sort of how nice are, how, exciting really our local music scene is becoming and uh and i think you guys have a have sort of a big part in that so personally thank you guys for being awesome and uh yeah <laughs> really appreciate that thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. but um let's let's jump into this polyphia situation because i i, I really <laughs> i really want to talk about it it was actually my first time seeing you guys live um seeing nafel in that time live and uh so i don't know if you guys want do you want me to tell my perspective of it first and then you guys can sort of fill in the gaps from I behind the scenes hear, yeah i kind of want to hear your perspective. yeah <laughs> actually if you want to tell yours this is a perfect segue because the first show that we did play with lithia stay was from the archon and delusions of grandeur played that show was us that's awesome the grandeur stays from the archon and lithia and delusions was playing an instrumental set that night I don't know why. I think maybe Brent was like maybe sick that night or something had happened, like scheduling conflicts where like they continued to play the show. But it was a full instrumental set. Cause I was even thinking, I'm like, Delusions is on this show. They're my, one of my favorite local bands, but they have a vocalist. So like this will be interesting to get the pit going, like with all these nerves, all these other fellow masters. Right. That and it, <laughs> it was it was cool to see that. So I'm I'm down here. Your perspective of the Polyphia show because obviously I know mine, but like if. It, you guys probably don't know there are actually two Polyphia stories of both times we played with Polyphia. I, I do. Oh. I did know there was a first one um, because I've seen you touch on it a little bit. Um, and when I saw that, because I think the first one happened at Smiling Moose, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. So yeah, so I wasn't there for that one, but I, I've heard a little bit about that. But the one that I was there for, I think it was at Katibo, I believe, in like, Lawrenceville. Um, and it was, I guess it was the Lit AF tour. Is that what that, that tour was? So it was, uh, Polyphia was the headlining and then it was Covet and Jason Richardson with, with Luke Holland. 
um, playing his, I think what it was called, I or, or one or whatever, his like yeah, solo, solo record. I, I was actually there for that. And that was before I, yeah. I joined the band. I didn't even really know. who. So we, we probably, we probably accidentally rubbed elbows that yeah, night. Right. But, um, <laughs> so uh, I actually had VIP for that show. Um, I was into Polyphia at the time. I, they had just toured with Coheed, um, which I'm a major fan of Coheed. If, if you guys have listened to the podcast, I somehow find a way to talk about them pretty much every episode. Um, yep. But uh, so I had seen them tour with them. And whenever I saw that they were coming with a headline show, I was just like, all right, I'll go, I'll go check that out. And somehow stumbled into the VIP situation. So um, they were obviously running very late. We had got there <laughs> for the VIP um whenever we were supposed to line up. And of course, when you do that in the email, it's always like, if you're not here, you're not getting in, you're not getting this. So we were there early. Um, me and my buddy who also went with me and not, me. <laughs> not Matt, it wasn't Matt at the time. Um, so we ended up waiting outside. We actually saw, you know, you, Nafel was there. Covet was there. Everybody was there already in there setting up and, you know, Nafel opening, uh, obviously had to set all their shit up. You guys had to set your shit up and um, Polythia shows up. Like I want to say 45 minutes later than they were supposed to. It might've, it might've even been worse than that. Part of the VIP experience was like, Oh, you get to hear them sound check. So they had to come in, set up all their shit, sound check, do the VIP thing. So at this point we're like way late. And from what was going on in the crowd and what we were hearing, they were basically telling you guys, you're not going to play or, or, and then I think I heard like a vet young or covet even had offered, like take some of our time to, to be able to play more. I had heard somebody say that, but again, this is from the perspective of being in the crowd and it was a relatively small crowd. So like you kind of heard a little bit of the goings on, especially with the VIP being in there early. Um, so it basically sounded like you guys were getting a shaft. Um, Wait, which I didn't even know. I didn't, we didn't know. Like they basically told us, they were like, everything's fine. Everything's fine. We're just pushing doors back. We're just pushing doors back. And then- Which is crazy because we heard, like, myself, like, I mean, we were, I'm standing basically, I was against the stage, um, and it's a relatively crammed area, so, like, their merch table was essentially right there to the left, and their band manager at the time also was doing their merch or whatever, so um, the the uh, they were trying to rush us through the VIP, which was fine. They were late. We get it. Um, but they were also talking to, um, staff at the venue about, you know, like changing set times and stuff like that. And it sounded like from what we heard that you guys were going to get the shaft. Um, and then I heard, uh, I'm almost positive. It was a vet from Covet say like, just give them some of our time. And that's so exactly what happened like that. And I, again, I'm rushing around doing a million things. So I was basically just like. I'm standing there watching Polyphia play like a full pre-show to their show, like VIP set to the thing. And I'm like, they can't cut one, maybe two songs, something like that. But I get, again, VIP paid for what they paid for. So like they're, uh, they're supposed to get what they are, but just but all it said was like, it was wild. Yeah. And all it said in the VIP was you get to witness sound check what that meant could have been variable so they could like like you said i think they played like two or three songs almost oh yeah the whole way through yeah. as a sound check which maybe that's normal i'm not in the like live yeah. music space no, so i don't but, but in my opinion <laughs> yeah. i don't think that's normal so. like 
play like one minute of a song is that right you're good. And the yeah, whole thing, and they're cool. and they're closing the show too. I mean, you're they're the you know they're the headliner. So it's like if you needed to you know fix some things towards the end before you actually start your full set, then that's something. I mean, they do that shit anyways, right? I mean, so exactly. it's like, so I, I, you know, was getting those vibes that basically they were screwing you guys over, and you guys had already set everything up. So it was like it was almost like they were just going to make you tear your shit down, like. You know, you set everything up just to tear it down and leave, which is like, so that was sort of the beginning. One song though, right? Yeah. One song. I I remember. (laughs) Yeah. I remember. And it was, it was very good. I mean, you guys sounded great for what it was. It would have been nice to have been able to hear more. And I'm sure you guys would have enjoyed playing more. I mean, that's kind of a crowd catered to what you guys do as well. I mean, Covet, uh, Polyphia. I mean, that was an opportunity that I feel like they were, taking from you um and i was not the only one in the crowd that recognized that uh so and i have other stories about polyphia too that i don't necessarily (laughs) have to dive into but i want to hear from your perspective so like i sounded like almost the people that were just unintentionally hearing what was going on out on the floor were like more in the loop than you guys even were yeah it was i mean we were so this, I'll tell them backwards since we're already on this one. I'll tell this one, and then I'll tell the first one. But uh, we sold we sold sixty tickets for this show. That is like, not an easy feat. If you know, ask any local band how many tickets they normally sell. Yeah. Nowhere close to that. For, yeah, we sold. Uh, we pushed an insane amount of tickets for this <laughs> show because, again, like for the Contortionist show, we played the Contortionist show, which was sold out. And at the altar bar, and I pushed over 50 tickets for that show, and that was, I do believe, on a Monday night. And, wow. and it's because wow. it was a band that I really liked. So if you're and you want to gain trust, like you're a newer up and coming instrumental band, you want to gain trust and like network and show the local promoters that like you have what what it takes to like do the work and like go and like get grimy and go places and network and talk to people and sell these tickets. So look back what I did. And also. And also, if you have, like, that local base, too, right? I mean, that makes sense. If you're pushing 50, 60 tickets for a show, that means you have 50, 60 people that are willing to come see you guys play. Exactly. exactly. So, and like you said, that was a huge, that was a, the, probably the one of the biggest, like, shows for us, a huge opportunity for us to be able to, like, get new fans, which is, like, something that a younger, smaller band needs to do. So they showed up, they showed up late, I, they showed up late, and I was like, hey guys, like, I'll help you carry some stuff down, and like, me and all the guys were like, alright, so we helped Polyphia, like, load in, we helped them carry some stuff down, we sold ticket tickets, helped them load in, we get down there, we're talking to all these people, and I just slowly start to see them drag their feet and take their time with the VIP, and I'm sitting there, like, looking around, and I'm like, do you guys see what time it is? And like, I looked at the guys, like, my drum set's set up, ready to go, watch this VIP thing. And time slowly just starts to slow down for me and also speed up at the same time. And I'm like, there's a massive line of people outside. Doors was supposed to be 10 minutes ago. And they're still playing on stage. They're still playing songs. Like, they should have did their sound check, showing off. They played three full songs. They did, like, the full pictures taken, kissing babies, signing titties, whatever. Like, okay, <laughs> things they're obligated to do. But when we got up on stage, like, obviously, we're being rushed. They're like, yo, yo, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's get up on stage. So we get up, we set up, we start playing. And after, like, our first song, which is a five-minute song, we played for five minutes. 
and sound guys like basically comes up on stage, starts yanking mics and stuff. He's like, you guys got to get off stage. Like we got to get you off. I'm looking around and I hear the crowd start to like, it's, it's happening right in front of me. I'm like, Oh my God. Like we sold tickets. We sold 60 tickets to play basically just to help sell this tour off to these guys. Like, the whole tour sold out. How many other local bands on and other cities also got the same exact treatment from these guys that, Whatever happens, time, whatever. But just like communicate a little bit, just let us know. But luckily, Covet did <clears throat> cut cut time from their set, which was I was told afterwards. So I hear the crowd start like I'm Mr. Crab. I'm like the room's spinning. I'm <laughs> up on stage. I was just told like, hey, you guys are getting off the stage. I was like, what? Like we just played one song. Let us play one more song. And they're like, no, no, like you guys, you gotta get off the stage. So the crowd's like booing all this stuff. I come up, I gotta like bite my tongue, and I'm just like. I'm like kind of like de-stressed through. I'm like, hey guys, like it's not our fault. Like things happen. Like the accidents happen. Like this is fine. Things happen. Which to me, this is the second time that we had been screwed by Polyphia. So like to me, I was like, this is no coincidence that we are being shafted by another huge opportunity to make bands. And like this is, it's hitting me hard because like this is one of my favorite bands. And like I want to just, I want to believe that things happen. But like lightning doesn't strike twice in a situation like this. And it's the people that are doing that. And they were one of my favorite bands as well. And honestly, that experience just at being in the crowd. And I I wasn't one of the people that bought a ticket from you guys. But thinking about this, like 60 tickets for a... I I would love to know what the max capacity of that room is. You guys probably sold 50% of the tickets for that show. You know what I mean? Like maybe... So... But... um. But yeah, that's just thinking about that and like sort of the influence that you had. No wonder I was hearing so many other people who were sort of, you know, unhappy with how things are playing out and experiences like that and other ones that I've had um, have honestly taken away from like, I don't even, I, they're still great musicians, but for me personally, it's like hard to, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I even for me, like the new the new album that just came out, like I love it. I still listen to it. I stream it. Whatever. Like I can separate the people from the art, the art from the artist. Yeah. But even that night at the show, like you'd think that like right there would be the end of the shenanigans for the night. But we get off the stage. We go over. We we had our merch table set up like basically where the water fountain was between both bathrooms, which the bathrooms are like an, essentially an echo chamber. So I'm running. I'm manning the merch table. Clay had just joined the band. Clay Eshleman, I think his name is, the drummer. He had just joined the band, and he was awesome. Like, he was so cool to us that night. He was so nice. Like, he was talking to us. You could tell that he had not become a part of the hive mind of <laughs> the, the general vibe. And he was just so nice, and he was, like, such a cool individual. And I'm, I'm running the merch table, whatever. The situation had happened. I'd helped calm everything down. And I had my table set up in a pretty decent distance away from both bathrooms where people can't, like, run into me. And I seen the drummer, or not the drummer, I seen the bassist, Clay Gober, walk past me, like walk in the bathroom, kind of just like give me like a walk past. And I was like, kind of like, hey, what's up? <clears throat> and I had seen him go in the bathroom behind me. You can hear every bit of echoing in that bathroom. I can hear every single <laughs> word anybody's saying to me. And one of my friends comes up to me who was in the crowd that night. He is so drunk. And he comes walking up to me and he just starts talking so much shit on Philippi. He's like, man, these guys are this or that, like, oh my God, like, they don't deserve this, like, talking all shit, and I'm here, I can hear his voice echoing in the bathroom, but I know Clay is hearing every word he's saying in the bathroom, and I'm like, I'm like, bro, like, everything's fine, like, it happens, like, I, I'm like, dude, we're really happy to be here, yeah, like, I'm like, dude, like, this is, like, a good vibe, like, don't, like, we're trying to avoid the bad vibes, like, shit happens, like, it's okay, 
He walks away from the table, whatever. Clay comes like storming out of the bathroom and does like a fake stumble into our merch table and knocks the merch table onto the ground with like all the shit. Everything wow. goes like fine everywhere. And he like he like looks up to me and he puts his hand in front of his face. He goes, Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Like he does this like super drawn out, like I'm looking at him and I'm just like seeing red. Like I'm just like looking at him. And my immediate response was, Clay, my, being able to play with you at this show tonight was great. Like being a local band, like you guys are my heroes. Like it's okay, bro. Like I didn't know shit happened. And he looked at me like when that happened, he was not expecting that response. And he was like, Okay, man, like he like he like kind of realized like Maybe I am the jerk. Maybe he's a dick, and like, so like, he like, he's like, oh, okay, bro. Like, I'm sorry. Like, he picked up the merch table and like helping me put the shirts back on. And shit, I'm just like, you know, bro. Like, thank you for. It was kind of just like whether it was an accident or a coincidence. Like, again, like how how many times is lightning going to strike in the same place for you to realize? Like, I'm continually dismissing the treatment here, and I'm just like, I understand. Like, I get it. You guys are up here. You guys are the top of the food chain in this genre. You guys probably started from where we're at right now, and you probably were treated the same way. So, like, you're kind of dishing that out to other people because you're like, we finally made it. Like, whatever. You have like the hazing commands to people. But, like, for that to happen, like, right after that set, I'm just kind of like, damn, like, kind of fuck these guys. <laughs> like, I was like, everybody else around me was on board with, like, fuck these guys. And, like, I was just like, no, shit happens. Then when that happened, I was like, you know what? Fuck Maybe. Maybe like, fuck I these guys. <laughs> I still listen to them. I like the music, like whether it was a misunderstanding or not, because later that night I made a post on Facebook and was like, man, Bolivia really doesn't like Nafel. And that post just blew up. Like people started jumping in the section. People from other cities who were in other local bands were jumping in. They're like, bro, I've heard this same shit happen. I've heard the same shit. People started tagging people in. And it was essentially, it was before cancel so culture. in other cities reciprocated the same event happening to that again so yeah this like, thing, it doesn't seem like it's a uh, one-time thing yeah. yeah and so like people are tagging people people are tagging people and then it gets to the point where people who are friends with scott and tim and them are like tagging scott and tim tagging scott and tim this is before cancel culture not necessarily like, saying like you're being canceled or like i was trying to cancel them. i was literally just all my posts was like damn glyphia really doesn't like the fell a little frowny face and everybody else the fans the friends just <laughs> ran with it and just started trashing them and then i got friend requests from like the whole band they all like jumped in the comments actually like, tim jumped in was like hey bro like we saw your set everything that we saw of your set was like so good and you guys were so awesome and i knew like my dad even said like they weren't in the building like they were up <laughs> in their van doing, it was all for all like, they were just doing their thing like no, out, yeah they were like doing the pre-show ritual doing whatever like understandable the local band not everybody gets to check everybody out but don't jump in the comment section for pr and say like I was your number one fan. I was front row. I saw you guys play your inspirational. Like, don't like oversell and oversaturate the situation to try to cover your own ass. Just like be accountable and just be like, you know, shit happens. We are sorry for the shit that happened. And instead of that, it was like a whole bunch of like signing babies and kissing pitties. So that was that was I like that the flip there. <laughs> Sign that the babies, kiss the titties. I like that. That was that. And I'm going to go ahead and roll right into the first one <laughs> while I'm at it. I have to pee, so I'm going to get this told, and then I'm going to go pee. <laughs> but the first time that we played with Cliffy, this is a little bit more brief. We played with, again, I'm gonna... yes, <laughs> we played with, yeah, we were all just chugging coffee and water yeah. today. It's right <laughs> all good. So it's flowing through me. Our creative juices are, are flowing right through <laughs> To touch on the first time that we played with Cliffy, it was, like I said before, it was uh, – 
It was Sam's from the Archon, Delusions of Grandeur. We sold, I think we sold, that was a smaller show for the Smile Moves. I think we sold like maybe 35 or 40 tickets, which again was like was 2015. That was like kind of like a first big opening show for us. That was that was pretty big for us, like selling 30 tickets to the Smile Moves. That's like half capacity right there, essentially. <laughs> and we got up to there. We're loading in, and Anoop Sastry was drumming for Philippia at the time because they were in between drummers. So being able to like hang out with a drummer who I'd previously seen with Intervals, who I'd also played with, he was drumming for Monuments on the tour that that the Contortionist came through. So we played with him that night, and my buddy Jimmy, who produced Solidarity, he got Anoop and John Brown like both smashed drunk at the Contortionist show. When we played That's with them. awesome. He got both of them drunk, and they were so cool to hang out with. But this night, Anoop came back and Jimmy was like, yo, Anoop, my man, like, we're drinking again. So he got Anoop so smashed before Polyphia was set. Like, we're kind of like, this is our first time playing with Polyphia. And they had asked Anoop, they were like, yo, like, go go ask these guys if they want to, like, be the headliners. So they came over and talked to us. And they had Anoop come over and ask us. Anoop was like, hey, guys, would you guys want to play, like, last? Would you guys want to be the headlining man? And, like... For Polyphia to come over and like talk to me, I didn't see the situation what was happening. We were the local draw, and I looked at the guys. I was like, "Guys, would you want a headline for this show? We can headline Polyphia." And like to me, young me, I'm like, "Oh my god, this is so awesome! This is so cool!" The night happened. All these bands are playing. I don't see what's happening. Polyphia plays their set, and Clay Gober again, hero, uh, hero of the day, great guy, really great guy. He comes out after Polyphia plays their set. He's like, hey, guys, thank you, everybody, for coming out to tonight's show. Thank you for all the local bands. Like, everybody drive safe. Like, have a great night. Like, the show's over. And we were playing after Polyphia. So, basically, he, he tells everybody, like, hey, Sayonara, thanks, everybody, for coming out. And did not say one single word about, like, hey, stay tuned for the local Nafel, the local band. Like, he was basically just like, have a great night. And my dad seen what was happening. My dad jumps up on stage and grabs the mic. He's like, hey, stick around for the local band, The Fell, that's like playing afterwards, which at that point, I didn't see what was happening. Flippy had already played. The draw was gone. Like the people who weren't our friends were dipping because they were like, who cares? Like, we saw Flippy. That's what we're here for. I don't want to see local band. Well, dude, and, and thank God we sold as many tickets as we did or else we wouldn't even have had a crowd there. Yeah, like yeah, the fact that we sold like 25, 30 tickets, there was still a good amount of our friends still there to see us. And I think maybe two or three people stayed Actually, I met my, one of my buddies, Dan Gold. I met him. I think he was there that night. I think he was one of the people that stayed for Polyphia, like stayed after Polyphia and checked us out. He may be one of those people that stayed there. He's which been is, yeah, he's been he's been one of the shout boys. Out, shout out Dan Gold. Shout out Dan Gold, one of <laughs> our one. number one of our number one fans next to my buddy Ash. Uh, he but just seeing all the people <laughs> zip out and then like we get up on stage and we play, we play to our friends. I'm looking at everybody else. I'm kind of just like I see, like, after it happened, I didn't see what was happening, but after it happened, I was like, damn, like, everybody just cleared out, and another That's opportunity lost of playing to another group mm -hmm. of people, so that was the first time, and then the second time happened, and then, like, that happened after that, but the, the second time we played, Yvette Young really helped console us, because she came, she came down, like, right after we come off the stage, and she's like, hey, guys, your set was, like, what you did play was awesome, she watched, 
she was there. She actually watched, and she was. I actually there. saw her to the side of the stage whenever you guys were playing. So yeah, she yeah. was the real MVP that night because she came over and like had this like hand drawn thing, like like this letter that said like thank you guys for playing with us. Like she was kind of like PRing for Polyphia. I still have that in my house. She gave it to us. Like, she <laughs> That's really cool. Guys, like we actually had to cut some of our set. Like she wasn't like being like boastful or anything about it, but she was kind of just like hey like. We actually had to cut some of our set time, like so, like everybody else could kind of play. So, Covet took a set cut. We took a set cut. First time we played with Polyphia, they basically used our draws, told everybody, "Have a nice night." The second time it happened was that. So, this is to all the viewers that I told to come watch this story. The story is now told. I will never <laughs> tell this story ever again. It's in the vault, I'm locking it up, throwing it away, so I never have to tell this to my bandmates or any of our friends and fans ever again. So, refer to this podcast. Yeah, yeah refer to this podcast and check out our new yeah. oh, No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, just, di- just direct direct all of the questions. Just direct. We're just going to start getting blown up in our DMs about it. Um, <laughs> people are going to be like, I need more details of the flip story. Could you guys get all that? No, but We're going to be your PR people now. Yeah, that was... <laughs> That was those nights, and I mean, I don't want to be the band, like, I want to be known for our music and who we are, so, like, I don't want to be that band that's just, like, continuously, like, being spiteful and being, like, hey, oh, yeah, like, riding off the coattails of Bolivia or something like that. Like, this new music that we have is definitely going to be speaking a lot for itself, and uh, I think it's going to make a lot of people happy and bring in a lot of new fans, so. Great. Yeah, and I won't, I won't tell any more Polyphia stories because I think we've, I think we unless you, you can want me tell to whatever ones you want in the future whenever you can tell them right now to the guys i'm gonna go pee <laughs> oh you're gonna, good i'm gonna go <gasps> take a breath <laughs> after all the talking i just did but I can well then so well, while you while you do that and before we transition then i'll tell one more polyphia story just uh yeah. just so we have the full the full crew here for the for the closing there but um every time i've seen polyphia i feel like something weird has happened and most of the times i've seen them they weren't headlining they were opening for a different band um and one that's like of note that stands out to me was they opened for between the buried and me um and it was at smalls jake should have been here for that that's very bad <laughs> oh that's that's one of my it's between them and coheed the contortionist is up there too there's yeah but but right for right. sure um and so it was, it sold out. I mean, between the buried and me, but usually not all the time because Pittsburgh's kind of hot and cold. Sometimes, you know, we'll see, you know, oh, Pittsburgh sold out real quick for a band and then another tour will come through and every other city will sell out except for Pittsburgh. So it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense how, how we like sort of, I don't know, go to shows apparently in this city, the, the music scenes hit hot and cold, but, uh, but they sold out and, uh, Polyphia, was i think maybe the openers like they played first i don't remember who the other support band was i'd have to look it up but uh when they played it was probably a wednesday night or something like that there weren't a whole lot of people in the crowd yet it was a sold out show but not everybody showed up early necessarily to watch their set and you could tell that they were annoyed by that um and so they whatever they played their set they barely talked to the crowd at all this was before the this was like back when uh i mean they looked like robots on stage you know they don't really move a whole lot they don't really do a whole lot they just kind of come out play they're they're incredible musicians yeah they started um, movement on stage right but but ever since they decided to put uh clay 
in the center, he's like usually the most animated. So it kind of makes them look a little more animated yeah. than they were because it, it used to be Tim in the center. Um, but they sort of shuffled that up and Clay is animated. So, it, you know, whatever. But even back then, Clay wasn't. I mean, everybody was just stoic. and But and it was all polished and sounded great. Um, but they were kind of annoyed that there weren't like, like the crowd wasn't full. Um, and it filled up pretty much right after their set and everybody was at the merch table. I was in line for BT Bam's merch table between after their set and, uh, their band managers sitting over there, just shit talking Pittsburgh, like with everybody there in line. Like, I mean, there were like, it was, it was a there were a lot of people there because it was between sets and that's typically when people rush the merch tables and uh just shit talking pittsburgh like it's a it's a terrible market it's all the, like just in i mean that that kind of left a bad taste in my mouth too there because this show was sold out like you, you there's not a ticket to buy was that, the colors? was that the colors anniversary tour in 20 it might have been it might have been what that show was yeah yeah if it was between the barrier to me, that was the colors. That was colors. Yeah. Before, and I just that was maybe a bit after. I was gonna say, like, I wonder if like she has like a bad taste in her mouth from I was it and I Yeah, and I didn't remember the timing of it. I just remembered that like I had had multiple situations with Polyphia where it left a bad taste in my mouth. One being when you guys had your situation in at Cativo. And then here, when she was just odd, I mean, it wasn't like an accident. She was saying it this loud to like the one person at the Polyphia merch booth. But, um, but it was just, it, it seemed like she was just there to shit talk Pittsburgh. And it kind of, I mean, I got a lot of pride in my city. So, uh, <laughs> that's that, that, that definitely, you know, gives a bad taste in my mouth too. I, if there's something I can touch on with what you were just saying about Felicia with switching things around from a band perspective, these yeah. guys are shredding a lot of the time, so there's not usually a lot of time for moving around. Oh, yeah. That's why we have Ben <laughs> in the middle <laughs> yeah, of the stage, yeah. our basis, which, like, it's it, we didn't really copy from them. It's just kind of like a flow wise. Like, these two are shredding a lot of times, so it, it makes sense. Like, Ben's kind of. He's done this. He's he's toured yeah. and done a lot of things. So we're all kind of like learning stage presence, essentially from Ben, who is a seasoned vet who's done this. But Ben does a lot of like our crowd work and stuff because he's seen it done on like a massive scale. We're all kind of just like bedroom <laughs> prog nerds, like playing shows. So we're just like we're working on that. But from a band's perspective, especially an instrumental band who shreds a lot, when you're focusing on playing, even animals as leaders, like there's usually not a lot of time <clears> for <throat> talking or moving. So it's, that's usually where it comes in. Which is what we're working sure. on right now. So, yeah, and, and honestly, the sort of remaining stoic and playing and focusing to make sure that I mean, you the music that you guys write, the Polyphia writes, whatever, is very technical and very you know involved. I don't necessarily even mind if there's like like that's not something that I focus on or feel like I need. Um, but when you don't engage with the crowd at all between songs, like it sounds like you're there to do a job and leave. Like you don't even necessarily yeah. like what you're doing. You're just there to just exactly. rip through shit and leave. Like that's where I'm just kind of like, well, I mean, was this even fun for you? Like, <laughs> you know what I oh, mean? Oh, that was, right. that show actually was after the show at the Cativo. Because I remember there was a few people there that were just like, yo, they're messaging me before. And they're like, yo, we should start a fuck Polyphia chant or something like that in the crowd. I'm like, no. And I was like, dude, like, don't bring any yeah. 
had negative vibes towards us or something like that, even though it was like the intrusive thoughts were very close to winning because I was at the I was at the Between the Barry and Me show and I do remember the crowd being kind of just like it was kind of not, not really into it yeah, as much as they were for the other bands and it was it yeah. was it was fun to see from my perspective because I was like in the back of my head I was like you know what karma's a bitch I'm glad this crowd really is you know <laughs> yeah. right now because. It worked out, but I, I I thought the same exact thing, and it was after that. It's probably why their their tour manager yeah. was that in Pittsburgh because the experience yeah, they had previously kind of had with us. Yeah. So. But it's funny because, like like you said, that lit that yeah. lit AF tour was also sold out thanks to you guys. But still, you're playing sold out shows, and you're saying how bad of a market, how difficult of a market it is to play. It's just it it was it was I don't know. It rubbed me the wrong way. I didn't like that. Oh, absolutely. So, absolutely. and and I, also, and I, I was still like uh, in in like in hindsight, it seems like BT Bam and Polyphia don't mix. Like that's that's a weird opening band to have on a BT Bam tour. Like I get it, they they draw a crowd, but like I feel like the BT Bam prog guys are like classic prog. That's like I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't lend itself to like an overlapping audience. So I feel like the people that wanted to go to that show were there for BT Bam and not really Polyphia. In the first place yeah, yeah which is definitely have... yeah go ahead matt sorry no you're good i was just say they do have like a kind of different crowd i mean there's definitely some overlap but i think yeah, it's, it's really it, like you said mostly they're like kind of separate crowds yeah like, like renaissance heavy, heavy renaissance and before from polyphia i feel like sort of meshes a little bit with with oh. between the buried and me but yeah. uh their newer mm-hmm. stuff yeah. is definitely sort of like they really you know, yeah, yeah split there yeah yep but yeah i mean that's that's kind of world i mean i've had i saw them like four or five times on that coheed tour because i used to follow coheed all over the damn place um and there were some interesting things that happened there too but i don't we don't we can we can move on here i think i think like before we sort of conclude everything i just want to know what's next for you guys you know i know you guys are actively writing um what do you want to tell us and also our audience about kind of what you're working on now well so we've hinted at this like a dozen times probably already but we do have a new album and it's it's still in the works we're still hashing out a lot of the, a lot of the details um but we have a full song list we have names um we are the, the biggest thing i guess is that we're, we're still trying to finish writing one particular song um, for the reasons that I guess we're overachievers and we want to write something really uh, ambitious, ambitious. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a ambitious. it's a whirlwind of things that kind of just like creatively we just want to do. Yeah, got to got to make it right. It's like, it's like once you hear the song, you'll know why it took so long to write. Yeah, that's that <laughs> we've yeah. never done before. So it's a it's a lot, and we're we're learning a lot writing the song. <clears throat> And we're definitely going to be learning a lot, trying to learn the song as well. <laughs> in the process of that's going to be a journey, learning to play it. But uh, yeah, I mean, we got all we got is this song, and we have a our it's going to be our first full length album. Uh, it's going to be coming out. It's a no EP, so we're kind of taking a big step into progress. <clears throat> I know it's like really popular to release singles and EPs and stuff, but and it is a concept album. Um, Ooh, nice. We've officially labeled it that way, but somebody asked me that like the other day, and I was like, "Yeah, yes, it is a concept album." Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I guess I won't. I won't get too far into it, but um, 
it's it's kind of uh, the, the working title is is apophenia or synchronicity, which are, are two words to kind of mean the same thing loosely, being that um, like recognizing patterns of external stimuli and making connections between them, even if they're not related. Does that make sense? The frog um, nerd in me is is, yeah. is really getting excited with this shit. Keep, we've yeah, we've kind of like had a running joke <laughs> in the band that like, oh, uh, we're living in a simulation. Like we like there was this period for like maybe last year where like we would always see like these weird like little patterns in, in yeah. everyday life. Like we would talk about something and then we would see it out in public or you know that that kind of thing. Yeah. And it was kind of like that you know that internet joke like oh the the universe or the the simulation is breaking down that kind of thing. There's just been a lot of really weird coincidences in the last few years. And like the fact that like almost like finding the band name, for instance, like the the coincidence of that happening up to many, many, many coincidences of just random dumb things you could never predict happening. And we're all kind of just like, you know what? Like this new album is going to be simulation based. Like I'm not to be like over cliche because there's tons of other bands like Born of Osiris, other bands are doing like the super genty like, AI generated simulation bullshit. Ours is kind of more of a natural. It's it's almost and it's almost like at the same time it's kind of like ironic too. Like we're not like trying to do like the prog stereotype. We're kind of like ripping on the prog stereotype. Does that make sense? Like we even threw around ideas of like having a really ironically like prog song. Like you know how they always have like something colon. This is like really long descriptive. Yeah, like stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. I, I, I listen to Coheed and Cambria. So, yeah, Coheed and Cambria. Or like Bush, like song titles. Yeah. Like, the journey through space time and, and, you know, all these kind of buzzwords. Like, yeah. Like heady title. There's like, I don't know what three quarters of those words mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, we, we kind of came up with a interesting title to uh, poke fun at that, I guess. Oh, yeah. I we definitely got, we got a lot. Definitely a lot. a lot of fun. Yeah, all the all the songs flow into each other, so it is in that way that you know drives some of the concept album um, theme, and that everything's kind of related, even though the songs are very different stylistically. So, like, despite you know almost almost fitting into like different genres within the album, the songs all connect. They all flow into each other, and it's that like interconnection of ideas that aren't necessarily related coming together and finding the, the synchronicity between them all. So what kind of came first, the concept idea or like the writing process? Cause I mean, were you writing riffs and then trying to fit it within the concept or were you like, this is what we're going for. <laughs> let's try it. Or, it. or is it just a combination or is there no, there's just nothing to it. You're just I would going say for a it. bit of a combination between the two. Like we, we had most of the music written first and then it kind of fell into place where like, wait, like, this, this simulation idea makes sense. Like this album title makes sense and, you know, applies to these, these ideas that we've connected. Um, Cause we, we do like, if, you know, on solidarity, we, we did this too, where like everything kind of flows into each other. Um, but this is, I, I would t- say like, we, we took that approach and like stepped it up and we, we did it like a better job this time where it's more thought through um, the songs like purposely lead into each other rather than like kind of just creating transitions to make them lead into each other. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's almost like comp- composing sort of one 
piece of music in a way that's sort of split up versus like yeah. forcing it together with transitions. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, would you would you say that the songs would still stand alone though? Because oftentimes when that happens, it's almost oh, like yeah. you really yeah. got to listen to the whole record. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. No, the songs definitely stand alone. Yet they they make an even bigger impact when you hear it all all together. You know, in order. Yeah, we were considering releasing like a lot of these as singles. And then it got to the point where like Dan had so many songs written to where it's like, <laughs> this is no longer an EP. This is no longer like, if we release these all singles, we could release like a single for like a straight year. And like, we were all just like, let's just make this a full length. And like all the songs kind of just naturally ended and went into this and it was like it makes sense to do this this and it's just everything fell into place so. yeah. and then usually the names and the concept happens like afterwards because like the writing will happen and then it's kind of like what does this sound like and then we sit there and study how it sounds because like that's usually the hardest part is writing which is what we're going to be doing <laughs> this podcast but it's, it's a process i was going to say it, it in in ways it almost makes me think like it would be easier to name an instrumental track because you don't have any like lyrics to base it off of to where you have to find the perfect name that fits the lyrics but then now that i'm thinking about it it might even be more difficult because it's like you're trying to like sonically you know sonically what does this make me think of and how does it fit the concept and stuff like that that's how i feel about it personally like with with lyrics if you have lyrics already it's just like okay you, you go to the chorus you find the line that like stands out the most or have the most like catchy appeal to it but with with instrumental music you kind of have to like sit, you, i mean you, you could take the owain route and like make joke song titles and whatever but like we, we do a little bit of that you know apples and oranges bounce house that kind of fall in, into that category um and a few songs on this one but yeah you kind of have to like vibe out the song like how does this make you feel like is there a word that encapsulates the, the feeling of this composition that kind of thing and i think uh, i think it, it kind of takes um <clears throat> like for for each song kind of like you know piggybacking off what Dan was saying it's taking like these these melodies and um, <coughs> kind of songs that have distinctive phrases in them that that make you feel a certain way it's like what what kind of emotion are you, are you trying to portray here and it's like how can that how can that melody be so such an earworm that it's distinctive to that song so they can they can be played on their own or they can be played in whole so um it's like how do you make the parts kind of puzzle piece but how do you make them distinctive like i said on their own and i think uh, i think kind of one thing we're, we're trying to focus on is making making those distinctive parts or like certain certain things kind of get stuck in your head um something that keeps you drawing back to it kind of memorable yeah like if i can use an example <laughs> apples and oranges is probably one of the most interesting song titles because we were like looking for a name for it. And <laughs> we were in my room one day and I realized that both, both Dan's had, were using orange cabs, so like all of the oranges and we all had MacBooks in our rooms. And I was like, everything that we're using is just all apples and oranges. <laughs> and we were like, That's it awesome. made sense with the, the, the way the song was written too, because like the first half of the song is like that heavy, fast paced, you know like metal part and then like the second half goes into that real clean section and it's it's very drawn out and it's almost it's almost like its own thing like apple is the first half and orange is the second half 
and it was just kind of like one of those connections again, like the band name thing. Like we were like, well, this physical representation representation of actual apples and actual oranges within our product that we're using to create this album, it works because this song is essentially like apples and oranges because it goes from like Dan said, it goes from crazy math metal to super video game sounding happy birthday. As Dan Tompkins of Tesseract yeah. said it, happy birthday metal because that's what he said when he listened to it. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, really looking forward to hearing what this new stuff sounds like. Uh, yeah, me too. I don't know. I don't know if you guys have any any hard dates, or I doubt it since you guys are still actively in the writing process. But no, I don't know no if you date. have any targets. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. Right now, actually, we're, we're, we're dropping our new single. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we would. We would. No dates, but like we do. We do have a new single that we might have mentioned once or twice here. Um, it is. Just about done. We got the final mix uh, a couple of days ago. Um, so just going to get it mastered and make a music video. You know, no big deal. If you need an extra to stand in the back and... You say that jokingly, but yeah. that you just manifested that because you guys are definitely well, going to be one of our future music videos. Let us know. <laughs> yeah, do the simulation thing where we walk by in the background and all of a sudden we're back just, in the background. Coming back <laughs> <and> <laughs> like different yeah. Angles. <laughs> but yeah, this, and I mean, this newer song <clears throat> that we have has a feature in it that is another really big up and coming internet guitarist that I think I may have told I'm, either I'm really of you guys when we were talking at the Space Weather <laughs> show about it, but the feature that we have on this new single is uh, it's pretty insane. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. That's awesome. I really I, can't wait for everybody to hear it. Yeah, I don't know who it is, but I would love to know at some point. Maybe you can you know, let me know after the after the podcast. In, you know? in the oh, DMs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Off the record. Yeah, off the record. Yeah, we don't yeah, want to get on the record. Spoilers yeah. yet, but yeah. um, he's one of my favorite up and coming guitarists, and, and even yeah. like even surpassing like some people I've been listening to for years. Yeah, um, wow. because he's he's just absolutely insane, and you know to, to hype him up more without giving away who he is. He, uh, we, I messaged him, asked you know like kind of explained the situation about like how we wanted to do it, sent him the song, and he was like, yeah, I'll have this to you like maybe next week, and I'm like, cool, take your time. 24 hours later, he sends me the final fucking track, like completely <laughs> recorded, written, recorded, tabbed out, and everything and in, in 24 hours. He just killed it. And it was just wow. like <laughs> literally no revisions, no nothing, everything that he had written for his first one. We were all just like, that's yeah, it. That's, yeah. it. Yeah. that's <laughs> the take. That's the solo yeah. that we wanted. Like, that's cool. Well. And we, we, like we kind of <laughs> pitched it in his wheelhouse too. Because, like, when, we, when, they, when Dan was writing the song, we kind of had like, this has his vibe in it. Yeah, like this yeah. song is like we know who is going to be on this song. And then whenever he agreed to it and did it as well as he did, it was a reason why it went as fast as it did because it, it was it was just it it's went like catered to him almost. <laughs> it was like yeah. if, if if he wouldn't have been on it, we would have we would probably made do, but it wouldn't have been the song that it is that we have in for you guys because it, it is perfect. I'm yeah, excited awesome. to hear that. I was actually going to ask at one point earlier, whenever we were talking about like features and vocal features and stuff like that, if you guys were ever going to go down the rabbit hole of like instrumental features, you guys talked about, you know, with yeah. Angel Vivaldi and stuff like that. So this kind of answers that question without even yeah, asking. Definitely. It, so. Yeah, we have, we have <laughs> including Mike in this one, we have many, we have a few more features on this album. So vocal. Uh, 
We're not no. not gonna tell. Not gonna tell. Not gonna okay. tell that. I mean, uh, but there are four features coming on this album, so you guys will be surprised to remember back in the day whenever Polyphia released Muse and just every single song had like a banger on it, like that was somebody like dropping heat. Aaron Marshall, this Aaron Marshall, yeah. 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 This is our Muse. This this every single song on this album is has a heater on it. So just about. Almost, almost. That's awesome. That's uh, that is that is exciting. I think maybe we should sign off on that note then, because I think that's that's a nice little cliffhanger there. So, uh, unless you guys have anything else you want to want to add or close with, um, I think that's it. I think that's the strong point. Want to end on is just new shit that is coming down the pipeline. Is like we're the shit. That we're the most proudest of. Prepare your ear holes. Yeah, yeah we are the most proud. Absolutely. Of. And uh, if you want to support us more, we have a website with lots of merch. We do. That goes directly to funding the album. So, nefelband.com. Yeah. Yep. And we'll yeah, we can uh, link that in the uh, the description for the episode and everything, too, and put in the, uh, the post. Yo, like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> Smash that we, like. We like all the buttons. Yep, all the buttons. Just, just click them all. Guys. Follow these guys. Follow these guys. <laughs> Yeah, and we, we'll definitely link everything when we drop this episode. We'll link everything and uh and every time something else drops from you guys, whether it's shows, tours, singles, albums, um, music videos, uh we'll be for we'll be we'll be sure to to post them everywhere we can. Um, spread the love. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for doing this. Uh yeah, it was an adventure in the beginning, but I'm glad yeah. we were able to get through it. Uh yeah, no, it was an honor to like be the yeah. first band interview on your, on your podcast to be honest yeah yeah absolutely it was the opportunity yeah yeah it's yeah. it's perfect I'm, I'm glad that it, it worked out this way and it's like you know we kind of have talked already before so it made this like a little less nerve-wracking than yeah, yeah. you know yeah. someone we haven't met before yeah. and stuff so oh, yeah yeah and it was fun for fun for us too because we had been listening to your music before we even ever sort of communicated too so um yeah while you guys are a local band to us, you're a band that we've been listening to. So this is, this is cool for us. And uh, yeah, I mean, thanks again, guys. We really appreciate it. Thanks to everybody listening to this podcast. Uh, again, check out NFL everywhere, um, streaming, whatever, keep an eye out on our page and their page, follow them on social media. We'll link everything. And uh, yeah, thanks a lot for listening, everyone. And thanks again to NFL. Thanks. Thank you. Guys. Thank you guys.